Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. I don't think you can truly change for the better in a lasting, meaningful way unless it is driven by self-acceptance. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. It's great to be here with all of you. I hope you continue to stay well. And I, it's been a tough few weeks, but I think we might be looking at a light at the end of the tunnel, if I dare say that. Before we begin, I want to remind you to stay with us during the breaks, where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of women leaders, bringing you the latest news from their industries and their companies. And we are so grateful for their support and the value content they bring to the show each and every week. If you're interested in being a part of the show, feel free to visit our website at womentowatch.net and download our partner page that you'll see there uh, to learn more. And don't forget to download the podcast and sign up for our newsletter as well to stay in the loop on all things related to the show. So now um, I'm very happy to welcome to the show Sophie Ruddock. Sophie is the Vice President and General Manager for the North America Division of Multiverse, which is an education tech company based in London. And Sophie's joining me from New York. Sophie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. It's great to have you. I'm assuming you're, if you're in New York, you're experiencing the same cold temperatures we are, um, but we will... We'll bear with it. It's only a few more months, right? I have been investing in my thermals. It's a new type of cold in New York City. Um, so I want to talk, you know, a little bit about your upbringing and get to know the the little Sophie who was born in London. And I wonder if you can just talk about the community there that you grew up in. What was that that neighborhood like? Yes. So um Grew up in London, born and raised. So I feel that particularly since moving to New York, um, you meet people less and less that actually grew up in the heart of the city. Um, But that was sort of always what I knew and grew up with a younger sister and, and two working parents. And one of the things that I sort of reflected on sort of as sort of little Sophie was growing up with a strong working mom, which, um, 
was one of my first and earliest memories was getting ready with her before she went to work and doing what we'd call breakfast meetings. And so putting on <laughs> her suits, I would put on the suits as a little three-year-old as well. And um, sort of always sort of started my day sort of knowing that actually I could also be this as working mom. So grew up with that, grew up there, very small, small family. So no, no broader extended family, but um, sort of lots of strong sort of relationships, friends, and it was really where I put my roots down. And so coming coming to New York after sort of all those years, sort of living, working, studying, and building a life in London was was quite the adventure, but um, it felt like the right time to do it. Tell, tell me what your mom did. She worked in finance. So sort of, you know, working in sort of 70s and 80s in um, sort of corporate America and then finance in, in the UK. She was often the the only woman um, in the room and particularly sort of the only woman um, sort of with decision-making power. And mm. so I um, always sort of saw that and therefore, you know, a great example for me of really what um, breaking the glass ceiling looks like, even though she never saw it that way. She just saw it as this was her only, the only thing she could be doing. Wow. You know, it's funny to me that you would have those meetings, dress up in your suit. And so you probably had this, you know, interest in um, being a businesswoman. And and I know when you were seven, you ran your lemonade stand. Do you remember what was it like to, you know, to make money for the first time when you're seven? It was so invigorating um, because actually I think I did have the entrepreneurial bug even even at that age and I remember thinking okay well you know we ran out by 11 a.m how do we quickly make more how can we make it stretch further you know how can we you know it was such a sellout how can we you know set up more signs you know further down the lane so that you know more people will hear about us we can increase the number of people buying um, and so that was great and then I was always a saver so even sort of at um at the age of seven, I would I would buy my candy. I always had a sweet tooth, but then I really would start sort of putting it in this piggy bank, which I don't think I really cracked into until I was about you know five six years later. Well, <laughs> was it full of money? Well, yeah, but you know I think I was selling the <clears throat> lemonade for a quarter at the time, so I wasn't making right, the big right. bucks. <laughs> Not today. Today, kids are selling lemonade for five dollars a cup. I know. If only I had that foresight. Use some sort of special organic lemons and mark up the prices. Right. Tell me a little bit about you know how mom and dad talked to you about education and and how it was so very traditional. You know the messaging behind what you were supposed to do. Yeah. So. My parents have always been sort of very supportive and of my own decisions. And so there was never a, you must go to college, you must go get a master's, you must go and, and, and do any of that. But the, the norms that I grew up with were the fact that there was almost a very logical path that people, that people took, you know, you, you go to high school, you then go to college, you then get a job. And there wasn't any conversation around what alternative paths look like. And so, um, for me, when I was, when I was graduating high school, I didn't consider other options because I didn't know that there were any. Um, and it's something that I think a lot about doing, doing what I do now at Multiverse, where we're all about sort of creating alternative routes into great careers, um, with the acknowledgement that, you know, a college degree, traditional education is not the be all and end all. And when talent is everywhere, but opportunity is not, using that college degree as a proxy for someone's success is 
is now getting outdated. Um, but I think about my my own decision, sort of 18 years old, and I didn't know that alternatives existed. And so I was in a really fortunate um, position where I did get you know a great college education. Um, but I think back uh, at that point, and if I'd known that there were other ways where I could not take on debt, where I could be paid to learn in-demand skills and start working, which is really, um, you know, from that time of running that lemonade stand, I've always had that working itch. Um, love working, um, can't imagine doing anything else. And so if I'd known that there were options, I definitely would have considered them in m- with much more scrutiny. You know, it's it's interesting to me because we grew up with the same messaging here in in the United States, and it, it was very much along those lines. And um, it's interesting that it's taken so long for society to understand that everyone is not meant to take the same path. Um, tell me about your kind of extracurricular activities. What were you doing outside of school? Were you an athlete? Were you interested in the arts or music? So um, my main hobbies and extracurriculars, I think I could bucket in sort of three main areas. So sort of one was sports. Um, I was a netball player, which for your American listeners is probably not a sport that they know, but I um, I played it to a very high standard. It's a bit like basketball, but you're not allowed to move with the ball. Um, and um, I was on sort of the varsity team for that and spent a lot of time doing that. Um, the second sort of big passion area for me has always been um, sort of social justice and, char- and charity work. And from sort of the age of probably... 14 um, is where I really reconnected, really connected with this as an area of focus for me. And um, I was, you know, running my school's charity, um, charity committee. I was fundraising. I was doing stream um, events like climbing Kilimanjaro to raise money for um, for nonprofits. And there was one in particular that I got very involved in um, based in northern Ghana. And I went out a few times and got much more involved with them as I was um as I became a professional um, to really support their work, which was really focused on the economic empowerment for women and children. Um, and then sort of the, the final third, third hobby was really just around um, reading. I'm an avid bookworm. And um, I, um, you know, and I would make sure that I was you know, launching book clubs and getting involved in the theater and, and everything connect, connected to my complete love of eating up every book I can find. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you were extremely active and you're um, very much interested in learning, which is always, you know, um, a great thing to be doing. We're going to go into our first break and I will be back with Sophie Ruddock, Vice President and General Manager of Multiverse North America. Stay tuned for our watch team. We'll be right back. Now the women to watch Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. It's January when we focus on New Year's resolutions. Last Sunday, our guest on Your Radio Doctor was Dr. Jamie Garfield from the Temple Lung Center. We learned about the many risks posed by using cigarettes, cigars, pipes, and other tobacco products. So we continue with what we learned about vaping. E-cigarettes, a type of electronic nicotine delivery system consisting of a cartridge containing a liquid, an atomizer, a vaporizing chamber with a heating element, and a battery. You push a button or inhale, and the atomizer heats the liquid, simulating smoking a conventional cigarette by creating an aerosol that's inhaled. The original form looked like a cigarette. Now it's evolved into a small, bright device that can resemble a flash drive, easy for a middle school or high school student to hide from parents and teachers. Most adults are current or previous smokers using it as a tool to quit or reduce risk of tobacco-related disease. The risks remain uncertain. 
So there's been a slight increase in use by adults, but a sharp increase in use by middle school and high school students. There's little data regarding long-term risks, but what do we know so far? Nicotine exposure. One pod can have nicotine that equals an entire pack of cigarettes. Humectants, the ingredient in the liquid to produce the aerosol, propylene, glycol, and glycerol, depending on the voltage and how high the temperature goes, they can decompose to formaldehyde and acetaldehyde, which are carcinogens, substances that can increase cancer risk. Many flavors, over 7,000, can increase attractiveness to the youth, especially those who never smoked. Traces of metal, like tin, nickel, and arsenic, are in other compounds that can be harmful. Vaping devices can also be used to aerosolize THC or cannabinoid oils. So with our youth, we ask, does it normalize smoking behavior? Is it a gateway to smoking? Are there long-term effects, heart disease, cancer risk? Can it affect their fertility or pregnancy? Nicotine is highly addictive and can harm brain development, which continues until about age 25. Please talk to your children about the risks of vaping. Listen to our entire show on yourradiodoctor.com. Visit the American Lung Association website, lung.org. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Welcome back to the show, and thanks so much for joining me this evening. I'm talking with Sophie Ruddick, and Sophie is the uh, VP and General Manager of Multiverse North America. Multiverse is um, an organization or company, I should say, that is providing an alternative to college um, through apprenticeships. Really, really smart idea. Um, I wanted to open this segment, Sophie, with a quote. You had said, I always had an interest in strategic social change and impacted scale, but knew this was a hard thing to balance. Tell me what what that what you meant by that. So um, I touched on my sort of nonprofit work um, that started when I was when I was a teenager, and the nonprofit that I was involved with was an incredible organization that was really focused on um, building sustainable business models. So building a model where actually. If they were successful, they ultimately would not need to rely on philanthropic dollars because they had created enough different revenue streams. And that, for me, I thought was how all nonprofits were run. And I realized, um, spending spending some more time in this space, that so many incredible organizations that are focusing on some of the most deep-rooted societal issues, be that criminal justice, be that vulnerable young people, be that sort of health and social care, are not set up to to run sustainably. And so as a result, are often not able to tackle the root causes of what they're um, set up to do. And I'm a really big believer in both identifying root causes, but also um, root fixes. And the way that the money flowed often meant that incredibly talented individuals that that ran these organizations and that served, um, served these groups were not able to be as successful as as they they could or would be, and so I got I got really excited, and I came across this sort of new growing industry called um, impact investment about the role that you know, different forms of financing, different structures, and different ways of thinking about social problems, starting with the problem and working backwards to build a solution, rather than thinking of a idea and using that to tackle 
a problem. Um, I, I got really excited about the role that that could play. And so um, I joined this very new industry at the time. Um, it was so new that when I started trying to ask people about it, there were probably only one or two organizations that were operating in the space. Now it's a trillion dollar um, industry and you have um, companies like Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan that are allocating you know, billions of dollars um, to, to this field. But um, at the time, it's very new, very nascent. And I was really excited about that because it was thinking about, okay, if you're going to support people to not reoffend when they when they leave prison actually how do you do that it's not just you know giving them 40 dollars and a bus fare ticket and saying okay you know we, you're rehabilitated it's actually saying what is it that's going to support you to get back on your feet is that um housing is that employment is that um reuniting with your children and really thinking about it sort of whole scale so that was where i got what into this and increasingly started looking at the role that um education and technology could play in thinking and thinking about impact at scale. And um, as I was on that journey is where I was introduced then to to Ewan, who is the founder and CEO of Multiverse, um, who I had spent a lot of time looking at the field and there were very few organizations that were looking to genuinely do well and do good, have outsized commercial impact, whilst also thinking about actually wholesale systems change and and changing changing the rule book. Um, and that's really what Multibus was doing, um, looking to rethink the education system, rethink how people access the workforce and utilize technology so that this is not just done at a small scale where you're helping tens of people, but actually build a company that can support hundreds of thousands and then ultimately millions of people. Can you tell me where, where did the name Multiverse come yeah, from? So, um, you might have heard of the multiverse from sort of the Marvel comics or from from sci-fi, this idea that there are sort of multiple universes that are existing alongside each other. Um, and sort of the core premise of the multiverse is that there are limitless universes and limitless possibilities. And we believe that there should be limitless career opportunities. Um, and that's really the heart of where that name came from. Um, so I read that, you know, within the company, you founded um, an operations and delivery organization. Talk to me about what that is and um, tell me what, what you feel you're most proud of so far in this role. Yes. So you know, when you join when you join a startup at five people, when there are now almost 500, you have the unique privilege of wearing multiple hats and and being able to sort of utilize your skill sets where the needs are greatest. And so one of the first um, roles that I that I took on at Multiverse was um, was on the delivery side of our business. So actually how we deliver our apprenticeships, how we ensure that these incredible individuals that are choosing to go down the path of not going to college and starting their career directly out of high school or um, or community college um, have an incredible experience where they're learning, where they're progressing, and where they're growing. And this was our biggest people um, operation in the in the organization as well, because um, so much of what makes our model unique is the human relationship that we're able to build. So, um, so I was able to sort of take on that mantle, build the team. Um, sort of when I was when I was in that role, sort of built that from about three people to just over fifty, and so went through a huge um, learning experience myself. Sort of going from being a manager to a manager of managers to a manager of managers of managers, um, and really all the time thinking about you know making sure that the team was was safe and supported and high functioning, as well as 
the impact on our apprentices. Um, and my proudest multiverse moment was actually probably only a couple of weeks ago, um, where um, you know one of the more recent roles that I've had the privilege to take on has been running and setting up our US business, which felt very much like our early starts. I was the first person on the ground out here. We're now a team of over 50. We're gonna be 150 in the next nine months. Um, and wow. we've that's brought- quick growth. That's It nice. is quick growth and wow. that, um, it speaks to the fact that what we're building is really res at the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that you know, Fortune 500 CEOs are getting behind it. But um, one of my proudest moments was actually... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, we just brought the team together for a winter party in our brand new office and it's an incredibly excellent team of diverse individuals that would come together and brought the, what was just an idea to life um, and that was just sort of two two weeks ago right before um, Omicron came and would have put all of that to, to bed if so that's probably my proudest moment recently. Mm, oh, I love that. Um, we're going to go into our next break. And when we come back, I want to ask you about uh, Spark Inside. You had mentioned, you know, prison reform. And um, I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about why you're doing that work. Stay with us for our watch team. And I'll be back with Sophie Ruddick. Now the women to watch, military watch. Hi. I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast, NBC Universal. You know, tomorrow we commemorate and celebrate the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s commitment to equality, justice, and civil rights for all. And each year, the Department of Defense shares its enduring theme for Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which is Remember, Celebrate, Act, a day on, not a day off. This theme is the DOD's reminder to not only members of the military, but all Americans to carry out acts of service in consideration of the principles that America was founded upon, the belief that all people are created equal, regardless of color, gender, sex, or creed. Now, although the United States military was long riddled by discrimination, segregation, and institutional racism, today our forces are made up of a diverse group of people who work side by side on and off the battlefield as equals. We have Dr. King to thank for this progress. Dr. King helped shed light upon the injustices impacting black service members as part of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which he helped pass. This act banned employment discrimination based on race, color, religion, gender, or national origin, and this called for major changes in our Department of Defense. In reflecting on the importance of Dr. King and the importance of tomorrow, former U.S. Secretary of Defense James Mattis said it best a couple years back when he noted that, Our armed forces are stronger today because of the perseverance of Dr. King and so many others in this country who have fought for civil rights and equality for all. To best honor Dr. King, we can all commit to more acts of service, not only tomorrow, 
but all year long. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, I'm uh, joined by Sophie Ruddock. And Sophie is uh, Vice President and General Manager for Multiverse North America. Um, And again, it's a tech company uh, building an alternative to college through professional apprenticeships. Um, Sophie, your job, that's a big job um, to be heading up North America. Um, I want to know, what what are you most worried about? What kind of keeps you up at night when you're thinking about the task at hand that you have in helping to expand this company in the U.S.? Um, Well, the biggest thing that keeps me up at night is that it's not going to (laughs) work. Don't ever doubt, right? Don't ever doubt yourself. No, but um, we, you know, we've had an incredible track record in the U.K., um, over the last five years. And, you know, we've grown about 350% year on year. Some of the world's biggest investors, um, including, you know, Lightspeed, General Catalyst, Google Ventures, Index, Bond, the the greatest and the good have, have backed us um, and supported us on this growth. And so there is a huge amount of responsibility um, that comes with the privilege of, of taking on this role. Um, but on a sort of more practical level, the, the biggest thing that um, that I worry about is is recruitment because you're only as good as, as your people. And right. so um, I'm really focused on making sure that we're building a team of exceptional individuals, um, but also who are coming from all walks of life and bring different perspectives um, to, to make our team even stronger. And how do you do that? How, how are you recruiting? How are you getting the word out there? So a whole host of different different ways. Referrals have been incredibly strong, um, but being brand new in the market, you can't rely on your employer brand in the way that, that we can now in the UK. And so a lot of it is tenacity um, in the same way that when we're sort of banging on the doors of some of the best businesses in the world and showing them how Multiverse can support to drive some of their big challenges around diversity and digital transformation. I do the same when I'm approaching candidates. So um, a lot of LinkedIn sourcing. Um, I've become an incredibly fun dinner party guest because I will always be on the hunt for either um, <laughs> a multiverse partner or someone to join the team. Um, right. And as a team, I think because everyone feels so proud to work at Multiverse and excited and really aligned to what, what we're building, um, that's become very powerful in terms of amplifying what um, the roles and the, the broader opportunities. Are there opportunities for you? Are you welcome to go to high schools and speak to high school students and let them know about multiverse? Yes. So um, the thing that I have been most overwhelmingly excited about has been the reception to multiverse since entering this market. So whilst the sort of evil gremlin at the back of my head, when I wake up at the night in the night worrying, says, oh, is this going to work? If I look at facts and data, which is how I ultimately try and make decisions, um, all the facts and data are showing that multiverse is a solution that the US market needs. And so um, when it comes to potential apprentice candidates, um, high schools, community colleges, nonprofit partners, they've just opened up opened up their arms and welcomed in um, the multiverse and welcome the team um, to come and speak to their students, speak to their principals, speak to their guidance counselors, um, and really start getting the word out about our opportunity because everyone has just said, this is what we need. 
We just haven't been able to find a multiverse yet. Um, right. And then the same has been the case on the um, on the employer side as well, um, with you know some real household names that you assume you need an Ivy League degree to even get an interview. Really embracing mm-hmm. um, multiverse because we're solving challenges that are keeping their CEOs and boards up at night. Um, and so it's been really embraced on that side as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I just love them. I think it's so smart. And what a relief to young people who perhaps have always felt that college wasn't the place for them, but they had the ability and the, and the, you know, the intellect in a very niche industry and were ready to just kind of get get on the ground and run with a company. No, you're absolutely right. I was talking to the two of the apprentices and our team um, the other day, and you know they they were saying that they're inc- they are adding more value than I could have ever hoped, and more um, in terms of business impact. And um, one of them was working at Nordstrom, um, working the makeup counter, and he just said, you know, I had all these skills that I knew should have been put to use, and until I found Multiverse on TikTok. I didn't even um, I didn't even know that this could exist. Um, right. And our other apprentice, it actually took until he got his first pay stub for his mom to believe that this could be real, um, because they were certain there must be a catch. Yeah, a relief for parents as well, right? Who have children and and they feel too that the the traditional route might not be right for them. Um, something else you're involved in, I think, is very cool. Um, Spark Inside, a nonprofit coaching um, organization for prisoners. Tell me, and you sit on the board. Why is that important to you? Um, I touched on, you know, one of the one of my personal motivations is sort of is is doing is doing right, and you know, you only have to look outside in, in New York or in London to see that the society that we operate in is inherently not not equal and not fair, and. Um, there's an area that for me felt particularly broken um, and one that is not set up to, not really set up to ultimately rehabilitate um, rehabilitate individuals, particularly those that are committing petty crimes. And so um, Spark Inside was a really exciting opportunity for me to leverage a skill set that I built in the business world around sort of operations and management and leadership and strategy and being able to then sit around on, on this board and, and be able to play a part in helping to sort of build and scale an organization that has a de- demonstrable track record in, in impact. Um, and so it's important to me because I think you're your world is is a pie chart and my work world is a very big slice of pie but also i'm um, sort of the ability to use my skills to do to do to do good is also incredibly important to me do you personally think that every person has the ability to to rehabilitate i think that you have to want to and that and that's really important and so a big part of the spark inside model in prison is is coaching is life coaching um and you can There are some structural challenges that you can help to address in the form of housing and employment and making sure that someone has a roof over their head and a meal to eat. But the desire um, to to coach, um, to to get better has has got to be there. And that's where the sort of broader holistic support has to come into it. Yeah, really helping them kind of make a mental shift, right? 
about their view. Um, that's great. We're going to go into our last break, and I'll be back with Sophie Ruddock, the VP and General Manager of Multiverse North America. Stay with us for our watch team, and we'll be right back. Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back. I'm Sue Rocco, and I'm talking to Sophie Ruddock, the Vice President and General Manager of Multiverse North America. And um, I want to talk a little bit more about you in this last segment. I think, you know, I think what where you've come from and what you're doing and, and where you are is really impressive. And we talk on the show so often about uh, the confidence for women to land in these leadership positions. And I wanted to ask you, what what do you think it is about you that the founder saw in you to to trust that you could take on this role? Oh, it's always um, I I never want to be the the woman with imposter syndrome, and I'm all I spend a lot of my time talking to to other women um, that that I manage, that I mentor um, about you know how how you stamp out imposter syndrome, and then you ask a question like that, and um, the first thing that flashes <laughs> in my mind is is imposter syndrome. But ultimately, um, you know, as a as a business, we every person we hire um, we hire based on four characteristics. Um, we look for intelligence, so sort of smarts and hearts, um, character, ultimately sort of grit and integrity and alignment to our values, um, coachability, that desire to constantly learn and reinvent yourself and sort of leave any ego at the door, and then a track record of excellence. And I hope that sort of I've, I've worked with you and now for five years, um, and I hope that through that five years, um, you know, those are the characteristics that continue to, to come out and um, and then sort of the, the legacy that I have started to build at Multiverse, um, as well as sort of my, my prior career history, um, sort of helped to inform that, he, that I was the right person for this role. But really, I think it was the, the grit, the tenacity and the boldness, um, not being afraid to be the first person on the ground and have to create something from nothing um, was, was why, um, why I think I, I got the privilege of this role. Yeah. Um, I would also add that y- your, in, your love of the work, I, I can see it in you and hear, you know, how much you enjoy um, doing what you're doing. And that goes a very long way. Um, tell me what you rely on. You know, the past couple of years for the entire planet have been really hard. What is it that you lean on, turn to rely on, you know, um, in those really stressful times? Are you a spiritual person? Do you, do you have a a philosophy or mantra that you, you go to? Mm. So I do try and it's very easy sometimes to get bogged down, um, and get bogged down in the day to day and realize that, you know, if you're not leaving your, your apartment or your home, you know, where is the separation, um, with work and life, um, particularly if the world world is in chaos, um, and a lot of my world was in chaos um, these these last two years, and um, um, was sort of uprooted during during the pandemic, and um, and then of course launching in, in a brand new market, um, and not being home, like this is not home to you. Yeah, but the you know the things that I they held on to was sort of work wise. I'm um, actually being able to work for a company whose sort of mission was bigger than than myself. Um, that was that was incredibly important for me, and um, particularly a lot of what we were doing um, as a business um, was was accelerated um, and heightened by the events of the last eighteen months, um, with Black Lives Matter and George Floyd's murder, and um, diversity now being sort of center stage for corporate America, 
and um, the digital transformation, digital skills um, that businesses realized they needed as they moved remotely. Um, and then on a personal basis, um, it's really my friends and my family who who are who are my rock. Um, and that's, you know, the, the sort of spirituality that I take is being able to have sort of very deep relationships um, and know that, you know, when I do, you know, throw everything in, into into my work that I have an amazing support network to come out of it. Um, and then how I escape is, is reading. Um, so I am a voracious reader. If I didn't have my Kindle, I don't know what I would do. It's definitely my desert island item. And um, that also, um, when you do have that time, even if it's you know late at night as I'm trying to unwind, um, that's how I'm able to pull back from the day to day and sort of suspend suspend my reality just just for a short while. If I were to ask you, you know, what is the very first book that comes to mind for you that was uh, that you read that you would want all people to read? Oh, great question. That um, I would want all people to read. Well, the first book that comes to mind where I discovered I have a love of reading was when I was seven years old, I think, maybe older, maybe younger. Um, and it is um, it was called Noughts and Crosses. Um, and it was a book where um, the sort of the ruling race were um, were black people and white people were um, sort of the, the lower the lower class. And it was a very stark um book for me where I started to realize some of the deep-seated racism that exists in our um, society and it's the book that sort of I still point to and recommend particularly to friends with with um, younger kids as as a must as a must read um, in terms wow. of igniting your, your love of reading but also starting to wake up to some of the societal ills um, a more recent um, book that I absolutely loved is a book called Year of the Yes by Shonda Rhimes. And that is a book that I reread during the pandemic because it was very easy to sort of get into your little hole. And this is a book where Shonda Rhimes, who is the um, creator of multiple award-winning um, TV shows, um, including Grey's Anatomy and Scandal, um, commits to say yes to absolutely everything for a year and sees how from her position of wealth and power and influence, she was still very depressed. And by saying yes to everything, um, it turned her life upside down in the best possible way. And what it did for her career, her relationships and her sense of self was transformative. You know, I think that when listening to you talk about that, I think of women in particular who um, one of the things I think we struggle with is is always saying yes, because you know, we care so much. And then that what that does is kind of backfire and lead us to being more stressed and doing too much. And so, it, you know, how, how would you describe finding the balance there? You know, you don't you want to take opportunities, but you want it not to be uh, to the point of you're adding stress to your to your already busy life. So the biggest thing that I continue to have to work on as a leader is um, the balance between respect and affection. Um, I often think women in particular um, and, and myself um, always, you know, you, you don't want to be cruel to be kind, um, but actually sometimes giving a difficult message means being, being a better leader. And so um, that balance of sort of wanting to be liked whilst also wanting to be respected is, is the toughest balance. But um, if I had to pick one, I would pick sort of respect over, over affection. 
I would imagine you do it very well when you have to say no, that it that it's received in the right way. Um, that's the end of the show, Sophie, and I really enjoyed our conversation. I wish you continued success with Multiverse. I'll be following, uh, following the company. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I had a great time talking with you. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Stay tuned next week for my interview with Elizabeth Bramson Boudreau. Elizabeth is the CEO and publisher of MIT's Technology Review. Have a great week, everyone. Stay safe and stay well. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.